I'd like to welcome everyone to our worship service this morning at West Irwin Church of Christ. If you're uh, visiting with us this morning, please stick around after our worship that we might introduce ourselves to you. And we certainly want you to know that you're welcome back at any opportunity that you have. If you're live streaming with us today, we're, we're thankful uh, that you're a part of our worship as well. If you would, let's get ready and we will be singing, We Are the Body of Christ. <clears throat> one heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. One goal, one mission to see you exalted. We are the body. Good morning and welcome to the West Irwin Church of Christ. As Davey said, we're certainly glad to have you here today, whether you're live here in person or online. And there's nothing like having your lens fall out of your glasses before you come up here. So thought I was having a stroke there at first, but I think I'll make it. Uh, I can't see you, so maybe I won't be as nervous as I usually am. Um, 
We want to thank uh, the church at West Irvine for their support of the EEM and their contribution toward the efforts toward uh, Ukraine and uh, the happenings over there. Uh, we ended up uh, sending a check for $20,000 for that work, and we certainly are grateful for your efforts. Uh, this is a loving church, a blessed church, and a giving church, and we thank you for that. Our small groups uh, meet tonight. Uh, if you're not part of a small group, uh, it's not too late to sign up. I'm going to put Davey on the spot. Uh, if you want to join one or just uh, visit one, uh, get with him, and he'll set you up with somebody to uh, be part of their, their group. And uh, so a really good effort and uh, good happening and beneficial and uplifting for all of us uh, when you attend. So uh, that being said, there will not be a service here tonight. Uh, Benevolent Center is... Uh, Opening up a little bit more this week, uh, the clothing portion of that uh, ministry will open up Tuesday and Thursday of this week as it uh, was normally uh, between 8.30 and 10.30. If you want to be part of that ministry, uh, talk to Donnie. Now, speaking of Donnie, uh, he will be preaching today, so you'll be blessed by his word. Uh, Bill was not feeling well today, had some allergy issues, so he's not uh, able to be here with us, but we love you, Bill, and praying for you and Joyce that you'll have a speedy recovery and be back with us as soon as possible. On our prayer and care list, I'm going to go over that now and then we'll just have a uh, prayer on their behalf following. Misty Ford will receive a pacemaker on Wednesday, March the 30th. Ellen Matthews, brother Pete Haley, is now under hospice care in Dallas. Uh, Sue Skipper is doing well. After her recovery Wednesday, I spoke with Danny. Danny said she was doing Doing well for all she's had done. Eileen Clark is progressing well, and she hopes to be moved to a skilled nursing facility soon. So keep her and Thomas as well in your prayers. Michael Willis's brother, Tony, has a cancerous tumor on his voice box. So he will likely have surgery soon. Wilda Brock, Chris Kill's mother-in-law, or mother, excuse me, is now in Providence Park. And Davy Carter's sister, Sue Ellis, will have surgery on March the 24th. So let's keep those people in your prayers. For my prayer, I'd like to read from Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we... Thank you for this opportunity to be here today to worship you in spirit and truth, for keeping us safe in a country that was built on Christian principles. And although we are by far not perfect, we realize that you are with us as Christians. We pray that you will forgive us of our shortcomings. We pray for the power to be gentle, the strength to be forgiving, the patience to be understanding, and their endurance to accept the consequences of holding on to what we believe is right. May we put our trust in the power of good to overcome evil and the power of love to overcome hatred and sin. We pray for the vision to see the good and the faith to believe in a world that you alone created for us to sustain. Help us to devote our lives and thoughts to being faithful to your word, to teach and be Christian examples to the lost, to not be selfish toward one another. 
Give us peace that we may shine brightly in a dark world. Let our fear of you be the beginning of wisdom rather than the fear of the world to drive our actions. Show mercy and heal those who are suffering. We pray for the war brought against Ukraine. We pray that it will be short-lived, that this conflict will end soon, and that your will be done. For we have faith in the knowledge of what you have promised us. Help us to be still and know that you are God and that you will take care of us. We turn our burdens and concerns over to you. Please be with those on our prayer and care list. Comfort and heal those in need and in times of despair. We pray for your church at West Irwin that we may do what you would have us to do. We pray for the leaders of this congregation, for our ministers and staff, for our teachers and volunteers, and for each member. Guide our every step and help us to be attentive to your loving direction. We are a blessed church, and we thank you dearly. Be with us in our Christian walk and forgive us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful day outside. This is perhaps my most favorite time of the year, and I'll tell you why. First of all, the daylight savings time is back. Today is the first day of spring. The days are longer. They're starting to get warm. Uh, If you like to fish like I do, the fish are starting to bite. And I'd like to issue a special welcome to all of those that are streaming this service in the boat a uh, special welcome to you guys. It's good to have you. Uh, another reason that I like this time of year so much is because I love NASCAR. I bet you all didn't know that, but I absolutely love NASCAR. And I can tell by the look on some of your faces out there, you're thinking, okay, Bill has finally lost it. How is he going to tie out NASCAR into the Lord's Supper? Well, just stick with me, okay? There's a method to my madness. So yesterday, Kim and I tuned in to the uh, uh, 
the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race held in Atlanta. And they get everybody up. They have, uh, you know, the national anthem, and they have an invocation. And the invocation was given by a gentleman whose name is Michael McDowell. Michael drives the, the number 34 car in the NASCAR Cup Series. They'll run this afternoon. But he also gave the invocation. And so we listened to his prayer. And after I listened to the prayer, I thought, okay, Bill, everything that you had planned that you were going to say right now at this time, that's out the window. We're going to kind of build on Michael's prayer. And Michael's a very spiritual guy. Last year when he won the Daytona 500, the first thing he said was God is good when they interviewed him. Very spiritual guy. And I've always liked him. But uh, during his prayer, he talked about the battles that we face. And we see news about battles that are taking place. Uh, certainly there's the one in, in Russia and the Ukraine. And, and I just feel horrible for the people of both of those countries. I think that they've all been dragged into something that nobody wanted over there. But, uh, you know, there's the, the angst and the hostility between North Korea and South Korea, China and Taiwan. And even if you never have to get caught up in one of those, you never have to pick up a gun or wear a country's uniform, you still have battles. Maybe you're, you know, in high school or middle school, and you're having to really struggle. You're having to battle to keep your grades up, to keep mom and dad off of your back, or to get promoted to the next grade. Or when you get out of school and you get out there on your own, maybe you're having trouble with your boss and you're having to battle your boss or you're having to battle the finances or you're having relationship troubles. These are all battles that you have. You may have health struggles. Uh, that's, a, that's a battle that you have to deal with. And you're going to have two battles in your life, and I guarantee you, you're going to lose both of them. The first battle is the one that you have to stay right here inside of your body, your earthen vessel. Sooner or later, you're going to lose that battle, and you're going to have to leave this body because either you're going to die or the Lord's going to come back again. But that's all right. You won't need it. And the second battle that you're going to lose, I lose this battle, you lose it. The only person that didn't lose it is Jesus Christ, and that is the battle with sin. We all lose that battle. So we've got these battles that we go through. But then Michael changed gears, and he said, we do have the battles, but we're all engaged in a war. Okay, during World War II, we won the Battle of Midway. But we lost uh, at a couple of other places. We lost at the Battle of the Bulge. We got our, uh, we got our heads handed to us at the, the campaigns in North Africa when we first started. We lost some of the battles, but we eventually won the war. We're going to lose several battles as human beings, but we're going to win the war. And the war is between good and evil. The war is between light and darkness the war is between God and his angels and his saints and Satan and his agents. And many of Satan's agents are walking around on the earth with us right now with discouragement, lies, deception, all this kind of stuff. But we know that in the end we are going to win that war because God Almighty sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ,
sent him to earth where he lived as a poor man without luxury, didn't live in a mansion. He slept on the ground probably just as often as not. And in the end was put to death in a very cruel manner and he rose again. And right before he ascended into heaven, it says, Mark 16, 16, Jesus Christ says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not will be condemned. Period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So we walk through life and we struggle with the battles, but we know because of our Heavenly Father and because of Jesus Christ that we will win that war. I've said up here before, and I'll say it again, Hold your nerve, my friends. It gets scary. It scares me from time to time. I don't mind telling you. But in the end, we have that reassurance from God himself that the war is going to be won, and he's going to win, and we're going to help him do it. Every Lord's Day, Christians are commanded to gather together and to remember Jesus Christ and his suffering and death and resurrection. There are Christians that are meeting all over the world, even in Russia and the Ukraine. It's, it's taking place. And as we partake of the, unlove, of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, we do this so that we can remember Jesus Christ and how he and his Father both loved us. So if you join me right now in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the love that you and your son Jesus both have for all of humanity. We know, Father, sometimes that we fail each other, we fail ourselves, and we fail you. But we know, Father, that you continue to love us, and we thank you for that. We thank you especially, Father, for your son Jesus, that he was willing to leave your side in heaven and come down to the earth, live amongst us, set the example and rise again. And as we partake of this loaf, may we do so in a manner that you find acceptable and well-pleasing. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, again, we come before your throne. We thank you, especially at this time, for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, which is symbolized by this fruit of the vine. His blood, his wonderful blood, washes our soul to where it's whiter than snow in your sight. As we partake, Father, may we do so mindful of the fact that your son, Jesus, shed his blood for our sake, not for his. And may we do so in a manner, again, that you find acceptable and well-pleasing. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, each week the elders set aside this time to where we can give back to the Lord uh, part of the material blessings that, that he's blessed us with. And let's keep in mind that everything you have comes from the Lord. 
Uh, he made this earth. He gives you your breath, your heartbeat, every blink of your eye. And uh, all of this comes from God. So at this time, let's give back to the Lord the portion that he gives us. We won't have guys walking up and down the aisle like we used to. But you can give online. You can give on the baskets back there. Uh, there's some uh, baskets or boxes, rather, where you can slot a check or cash or what have you. Uh, or you can always mail it in, too. So as we give back, let us be mindful of the blessings that we have uh, because of our Lord. Let us pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, as always, for the material blessings, the uh, financial blessings, uh, just the wonderful blessings of life that you bestow upon us. And we realize, as always, that these things come from you, Father. None of this would be possible if you hadn't made it possible. And as we give back to you, Father, let us do so cheerfully, with a glad heart, with a generous spirit. And may we, uh, Father, be as generous to you as you have been to us. Again, Father, we thank you for your love and the love of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your church here at West Irwin and for your church around the world. And again, Father, as we give to you, may we do so cheerfully and with nothing but love in our hearts. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, at this time I want to ask all of our young kids to come up and we'll have a brief kids time uh, before we go to our blast class. So come on up and everybody join me in singing the Lord's Army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly o'er the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly o'er the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. All righty. We've got a good crew here today. These past, this past week, my, my wife Sonia is a school teacher. So she's been on her spring break. A lot of you have probably been on your spring break as well. Well, we made a trip to San Antonio, Texas, and we spent three nights there. And we got to see several things. We ate a lot of good food. But one place, you've been there too? All right. Really? Okay. You've been there too? We went and we saw a place a very historical place called the Alamo. Have any of you ever seen the Alamo? All right. And a picture? Okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about that. A battle took place at the Alamo. It lasted for 12 days. It was in the year 1836 almost 200 years ago. And there was a general from Mexico. His name was Santa Ana. And he had an army of some 1,500 troops. 
and they were coming from Mexico up toward the Alamo because they wanted to regain that mission. They wanted it back. And General Travis had heard that they were coming, and he wrote letters asking for help. There was only about a hundred men behind the walls of the Alamo and there were 1,500 soldiers approaching them to fight to take it over. Well, an army never came to help. Finally, just before that war, about 100 more men came. General Travis drew a line in the dirt and he asked his soldiers, if you believe in what we stand for, Cross this line with me. According to the history that I've read and seen, only one man didn't cross that line. Was he paralyzed? Okay. 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 But the fact is, it reminds me of what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, as he spoke to his people, the nation of Israel. And he said to them, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Well, this army came. Lots of lives were lost. All the men that were fighting for the Alamo lost their lives. And a lot of the Mexican soldiers lost their lives. But the point I want to make to us today is this. Did you know that we too are in a battle? We're in a battle between what is good and what is bad or what is evil. And we don't use guns or muskets or, or swords like they did at the Battle of the Alamo. But we do have a weapon to use in our battle. And it's the Bible. It's the sword of the Spirit. And when we have opportunity, we can share God's Word with our friends. We can tell them about Jesus, can't we? And we can help change their lives to where they will no longer want to be bad, but they will want to be good. And so you see, we are in an army. But whose army are we in? You're right, and that's why we sang that song. And so as you head toward your blast class, we're going to sing that song again. And I want us to always remember that we are in the army of God. And we might win, we might lose a few of the battles. But when God is on our side, we will ultimately win the war. You're right. All right, let's all stand up and we'll be singing. You can go on to your blast class. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly o'er the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride.
and we'll sing the greatest commands, and then we'll turn the service over to uh, to Donnie, and he'll be speaking to us today in Bill's absence. Good morning, everybody. I've learned some few things today. Number one, there's something spiritual about NASCAR. I never knew that. I enjoyed that, Bill. Number two is you don't argue history with your kiddos. (laughs) Learned some things about the Alamo that I didn't know. Last time I spoke to you, it was... Similar circumstances, it was kind of short notice, and I kind of want to continue with where I was going. If you remember, I spoke to you a little bit about some things Jesus uh, told his followers that last night, before his trial and before his crucifixion. 
And he said some powerful words to him. And I want to kind of just go back for a second and review a little bit and just tell you. He told him to abide in me, the importance of stay in me, you know, because you're going to see some difficult times and you're going to have some problems and issues come up in your life, but you got to stay with me. He also told him, I think one of the most important things he told him was, don't be afraid. This is part of my father's plan. So don't be afraid of what you're fixing to see and what you're fixing to experience. He also told him, says, I want you to remember something. You're going to be hated for making that stand for God. But you got to remember that they hated me first. And so that's disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> You'd think you could want to be a, a faithful Christian. You could go through this life being appreciated and being loved, but people are going to hate you for it. And that's sad. It speaks to the... It speaks to the sin of this world. He also told him to be careful. He says, they're going to tempt you. When people are going wrong, they're going to want to take everybody down with them, you included. So be careful. He also told him you need to learn to get along with each other. And when you look back at the history of the church, we haven't always done a good job at that. But Jesus said these words. He also told him, says, man, if you need anything, you just ask. I want you to remember that you've got a friend. How great that is. What kind of assurance that is. And so we look at these words, look back on them, and we see that they are just great words. And and even to this day, they're so applicable to our life today. And Jesus said these words. He was trying to help them build their faith. To build a faith that was a lasting faith, a permanent faith, a a faith that would get them through the difficulties that they were fixing to face in life. And so I still wanted to kind of continue because I wanted to talk about faith because I think that's so important to us today and especially in today's times. And I thought about, you know, what kind of faith do I want (laughs) And I'm kind of doing this with kind of an eye toward this summer series that we're having. You've been seeing some advertisement for it in your bulletin. And I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. And it's going to talk about people that really lived their life by their faith and did some amazing things in this world because of the faith they had in God. And so... I want the faith of, I want you to stop just one second. I'm going to give you five seconds. I want you to just think in your mind, what kind of faith do you want? Who do you want to pattern your life after? What kind of, what person stands out in, in, in scripture that you want to have their kind of faith? And go to Hebrews 11. That's a huge section on that honor roll hall of fame in the faith award. I mean, it's this tremendous reading about people who did some amazing things because of the faith they had in God. Who are you pattern your life after? And I've got about four here that I want to talk just briefly about. First one was the thief on the cross. Now, I know that was kind of when I first thought about that, I said, man, what's so faithful about what he did? You know, but I think about what that thief went through to get put on that cross right beside Jesus. And I think about what he experienced and saw during that crucifixion of Jesus, the violence, the chaos, the the bigotry, the public opinion, 
the turmoil, the noise, the confusion. And in the midst of all that, what did he see? Hanging on that cross with a man that was hanging beside him. And I don't know what this thief knew about Jesus. But yet, in the middle of all that mess, he saw Jesus. And in fact, you remember he chided his cohort, the other criminal, for taking a stand against Jesus and says, this man did nothing wrong. We deserve what we get. But this man did nothing wrong. And then he asked him, I want you to open your Bible, if you would, over to Luke 23. I want you to hear these words that Jesus said. We've heard them many, many times, but I want to read them and just ponder them a second. 23rd chapter of Luke, verses 42. 42 and 43, let me get to the right page. I'm starting 41 or 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's a pretty profound statement there from that thief. And he said to him, Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I think that speaks volumes for a person's faith that can live the kind of life he lived and become the kind of scoundrel and thief that he was in life. In the middle of all that around that crucifixion, he still managed to find Jesus. So what does that say about our faith today? Do we live today in a a world of chaos? Do we live today in a world of noise? There was a song, you know, uh, Willie Nelson has a son. I think his name is Lucas, Lucas Nelson. And I heard a song of his on the radio yesterday. The title of the song, I think, is so beautiful. He says, I'm going to quit watching news and I'm going to build a garden. (laughs) And man, I love that. I love that. Because there is so much noise out there today to turn us away from where God wants us to be as people. And we know that if this world could have any one thing It needs Jesus, doesn't it? And here's this thief in a hectic, confusing, noisy situation. And yet he finds Jesus. I want that kind of faith. Because I'm going to tell you, I get caught up in the noise. And I appreciate you kiddos being down front. And let me tell you something. You're going to find out when you grow up Us adults, we like to make a lot of noise. (laughs) And we can confuse you, and you know that. (laughs) And we can confuse you, and we can send wrong messages out. But our message today is is to look toward Jesus. 
no matter where you are, and keep that focus and keep your faith over in Jesus. The second example of faith that I want to look at, and just turn back to Luke chapter 7, this beautiful story of this woman who washed Jesus' feet. And when Jesus came in and sat down, if you remember, she took that, that jar of alabaster and broke it open and poured it on his feet and took her hair and wiped his feet down. And it was her way of expressing her love for Jesus and her worship for Jesus, her adoration of Jesus. And the Pharisee is sitting over there in his high and mighty, arrogant ways and He says, if this man only knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. Boy, it just just opens up your eyes and makes you think of why Jesus would be so, he was so, what's the word, agitated and frustrated with dealing with those Jewish leaders who just refused to think about people and the needs of people and what they needed and just just hammered on them how much more righteous they were than them. And look at verse 7, 48. In chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse uh, 48 through 50. Now I'm going to start in 44. I mean, I'm going to start at 44. I'm sorry. Do you see this woman? This is Jesus speaking. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she has loved much, but he who has forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins... Or forgiven. What a beautiful, beautiful story. What a beautiful story of sacrifice. There's all kind of estimates of how much that alabaster was worth. And some people even compared it to maybe her, her dowry for the future, or maybe as we might see it today, is her retirement fund to live on for the rest of her life. It's a story of doubt, of skepticism, of pride, a lack of concern on the Pharisees' part. But when you get down to the essence of it, it's a story of forgiveness and a story of love. I want a faith like that woman had, where she was not ashamed to bear all before Jesus, where she was not ashamed to bow down in front of him and give all that she had to give him. And to do it in such a way that was so upfront and so personal and so loving and so kind, knowing that she could come to Jesus in that way and he would just reach out and love her and forgive her and take her into his family. That's the kind of faith I want. I want a faith that I don't worry about what people think about me and the way I worship or or don't worry about me. I'm not worried about what I say and how I act in public. That I won't sit and and go along with everybody else because it's the popular thing to do. 
while Jesus gave so much for me that sometimes I'm ashamed to even speak up for him. That's the kind of faith that I want. And then we go over to Esther. If you would, turn over to the book of Esther with me. We're going to read just a bit out of Esther chapter 4. I want a faith like Esther, a woman that was taken out of her her home and taken to a a different kind of culture and through nothing of her own, the only thing she had going against her was she was a beautiful woman. And this king, they were trying to get to find a suitable queen that she could go into a, a stranger's home for any kind of use, whatever he wanted to do with her, to be in her service for this king. You can imagine what she had to go through and just how traumatic that was for her to do. And yet, while she's there, she discovers this plot. This plot to kill off the seed line of our Savior, Jesus. I had a, uh, uh, I guess it was, wasn't it was part of a, a history class I had taken in, in, at Sunset. And part of that lesson was what Jesus did, I mean, what God did to save the seed line of Jesus. And Esther was part of those heroes that made that stand that saved the whole Jewish race. It could have been. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? And look what her uh, look what the message was from uh, Mordecai. I want you to look at uh, verse fourteen, or start at twelve. I had these verses, and I'm expanding every one when I see it. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. I'm in chapter four of the book of Esther. Then Mordecai had told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And then that beautiful, beautiful question. And, and who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for what? Say it. Such a time as this. It's the kind of faith I want. That I can realize that God has put me somewhere at some time for a specific reason to help save someone. Sometimes I'm afraid that I... Well, I'm getting so emotional. I go through life and I think I'm just doing it for the blessings I get. But, man, I got people that depend on me. I have a heritage in the, in the Lord's church that I need to work for and to look out for. And people that don't know the Lord. And people are going through life and they're messing it up horribly and their family is messing it up 
They have children that have no clue what a good life can be like. And I'm just sitting back here enjoying what blessings I get and don't do anything about it. I feel like one of those Pharisees. <laughs> Know why Jesus was so upset with them. That's the kind of faith I want. I want the kind of faith that takes those opportunities and has a chance to help someone who needs Jesus. We might not ever make a difference in the whole world, but you know what? I think we can make Tyler a better place. I really do. So that's the kind of faith I want. Go to 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. (laughs) Once again, that's the kind of faith I want. Little old David, (laughs) little old David facing Goliath. And I know that's a kid's story. That would have been as good as Davy telling the Alamo story. (laughs) You know, that's a good story for our kids. I want that faith that allows me to go out and face a Goliath in this world. Astounding to me. Nobody in that camp gave him a chance. Come upon the, come upon the situation and what's the, the leader of the army, Saul, has led his Israelites, God's chosen people, a God that would do anything for his people, And he has them stuck in a battle. The enemy's on one side, he's on the other, and they're not doing anything. Here comes David. Let me at him. (laughs) Let me have some of the old Goliath. I'll show him who's boss. And Saul says, well, you better put my armor on. So I don't need your armor. (laughs) I've got God. I've got God. I think nothing... Opens my eyes more about this story. Look in verse 36. 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. David says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Isn't it about time that we took it serious to defend God's great name? Isn't that what we're supposed to do as a church? To let this world know how great God is, the God that we serve, the God that gave us life, that gave us the precious gift of our children, that gave us our families, and gave us a place to come worship Him. Isn't it about time we took that serious? That's what David did. David wasn't worried about how tall he was, how big he was. The fact that he had ridiculed God. That's what got David mad about him. Drop down to verse 45. Same chapter. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have Defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> that little David, looking, I'm going to cut off your head. That's the kind of faith I want. 
And I will give the dead bodies of the host of Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. When I get through with you, I'm going to get your army behind you. I'm not stopping with just you. What? That's the kind of faith I want. My goodness. My goodness. David never felt alone. God fought David's battles. And when David went out on his own... That's when he had trouble. Remember that little story about Bathsheba? (laughs) Man, there's so many others that are lined up. I think about the woman who wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, crawl through them people just to reach out and get a touch of Jesus. Do we have the faith to do that? To go through that kind of hardship, to try that hard just to get a touch of Jesus? I think about the early church David had mentioned in class, all the persecution they went to. Do we have that kind of faith to stand up and do that? The battle of Jericho, marching around seven times, seven days. Can you imagine the ridicule they got and how they felt? And they were probably, I know those Israelites, they were probably wondering, I don't know. (laughs) Think about Cornelius. I think about Stephen. Great examples of people living by faith and putting it all on the line for the cause of Jesus. That's the kind of faith I want. And I hope that's the kind of faith you want too. I hope we can learn something from those examples. I'm looking forward to this summer. I can't wait. It's going to be some great, great lessons. And I tell you, it starts with our faith. Will you have enough faith to be here to share in it? If there's anything we can do for you, anything at all, today's the day. Come today, get it right with God, and do that as we stand and as we sing.
we truly come to know you. May we be willing to give all we have to you. May we have a faith, Father, that stands strong in times of storm and temptation. Give us a faith that is bold and confident. A faith that speaks out. A faith that cannot be shaken. May our faith allow others to view us differently from the world around us. 